It's not often that the barman in your local pub switches the telly over to the Oroctus Public Accounts Committee. But it happened in many Dublin bars yesterday, as Ryan Tuberty, the absent main character in the long-running RTE payments drama, finally made an appearance. Of course, here, here like the deputies, um, good morning to you all, and, and, and first let me thank you for acceding to my request to, to come before you today. We felt it was really important. Over six hours and two committees, Tuberty and his agent Noel Kelly pointed the finger of blame squarely at RTE. Uh, I'd like everybody here today to understand that the figures and statements presented by RTE over the last few weeks in relation to my remuneration have created a fog of confusion. But Tuberty was also clear. He wants to come home. And I'm also hopeful that I will soon get back on air to do the job I love. Among the customers in one city centre bar there were mixed views on Tuberty's defence. At least in some sort of moral sense, he did have responsibility to the people of Ireland. I do think he is very credible and he's doing very well and he's he's well prepared and I don't think he's telling any lies. Too many people in Ireland will have that doubt about him all the time. It, it's just going to be there forever and I, I'm, it's such a shame. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, Ryan Tuberty at the Oireachtas. What did we learn? And did Tuberty do enough to save his career? I talked to political correspondent Jack Horgan-Jones. Jack, let's go back to 8.30 yesterday morning. And that was when Ryan Tuberty and his agent Noel Kelly submitted their documents to the Oireachtas. So we knew even before the first committee, that was the Public Accounts Committee, we knew even before that started that Tuberty and Kelly were going to come out swinging. What were the bones of that? It really started uh, late on Monday night with the submission of documents by RT, but that was, as you say, Bernice, rapidly taken over by the the submission of uh, a whole dossier of uh, a booklet, as they put it, rather, of documents by Ryan Tuberty and uh, and his agent, uh, Noel Kelly, uh, to the Public Accounts Committee, um, along with their opening statements, uh, which landed in to the inboxes of PAC members at 8.23am this morning. And as you say, it was very clear that they were going to go fully on the attack. There had been some discussion beforehand, whether there be a kind of olive branch uh, reached out by the pair or whether uh, Kelly might kind of take the bullet was one of the theories that was doing the rounds. But very much they were they were in lockstep with each other. They, they rounded very clearly on RTE, uh, saying effectively that, you know, they accepted no or very little blame um, and that the way RT had handled uh, the the divulgence of information, the what they said was the miscalculation of fees paid to Ryan Tuberty and also uh, some very um, important and, and germane pieces of information relating to one of the key arguments, I suppose, within all of this, that is the question of um, underwriting the payments, uh, of RT underwriting the payments uh, that were ultimately made to, to Ryan Tuberty. And then at 11, Ryan Tuberty gave his opening statement to the committee. This has caused justifiable anger among my colleagues. I understand that. And we're going to deal with all of that in the next few hours and indeed the next six hours or more. We'll stay for as long as it takes. For those who didn't see it, um, I think certainly Rock This TV would have had its highest viewership ever. Um, but can I ask you, what was Tuberty's and Kelly's demeanour at the start of the day? And did it change throughout? It was a very long day. Well, I mean, it was interesting, I mean, certainly at the start of the day and when 
matters were kind of substantively focused on the contract itself and on the contract negotiations, you did see Noel Kelly taking the lead. We trusted RTE. It's not some unknown startup with opaque funding and checkered past or a record for dodgy financial dealings. It's a national institution. Initially, I was kind of struck by the degree to which Tuberty seemed to be in a back seat and deferring and handing questions over to Kelly. But that that didn't last. I mean, as the as the day progressed and as the the topics that the committees uh, covered evolved, Tuberty kind of grew into the the performance and and you know grew into his own opening statement. And particularly upset and disappointed about the decision and framing of the RT statement of June twenty second which inextricably linked my name to this whole fiasco. It was very much a performer's uh, delivery. Um, he was, you know, targeting RT, as we said. He was appealing, I think, perhaps not even directly to the members of the Oireachtas uh, committees that were there, although he made sure to uh, appear appropriately deferential to the House and to the committees. But I think that the play here was probably more directly to those many thousands of people who were watching the live stream and who wouldn't usually be watching things as, as, as you know, as usually boring as, as Oireachtas committees. I'd like to thank the many people from across the country who've taken time to stop me on the street. Decent Irish citizens taking my shoulder and my elbow in their hands and saying, you'll get through this. And I think that that's why we saw as the day going on he was foregrounding several things, you know, the impact that it, it has had on him, on his mental health. My, my name has been desperately sullied. I think my reputation has been sullied. I'm deeply upset. I'm hurt. I am in... I'm, I'm, it's hard to leave the house if you really, really want me to be honest about it. He referred twice to how he had been cancelled, that he was in a state... He talked at length about, uh, you know, his desire to return to RTE, his desire to kind of rebuild trust with with his listeners. I think there are people that I'm dying to get back to work with, like most decent Irish people. They're in there making a, an honest living and they're working hard to pull to get together the shows. And I want to be back with them. I had my beef, with, obviously, with with some people there, as is obvious in the documents, but uh, I still see my future there. Yeah. And effectively, in the round, even though he uh, conceded that he uh, shared some of the blame uh, for not addressing the incorrect figures as and when they were published originally, he pointed the finger of blame, uh, he and Kelly pointed the finger of blame back on RTE uh, and back on particularly members of the executive board. So I think that if he was looking for the start of a kind of uh, redemption arc, um, this may well have been it. Uh, because he came out, out fighting and, and, as I say, making that kind of direct direct appeal to, to his audience, whoever that may be. I want to look at some of the key points, some of the, the key things that we learned. So the first one would be about money, obviously. Tuberty and Kelly, they accuse RTE of getting its sums wrong. What's that about? Well, look, there's a huge amount of complexity at work here, but basically what they've said is that in its uh, statement up to the 22nd of uh, June, this is the key statement that kicked everything off, that RTE uh, have um, inappropriately allocated uh, 120,000 of uh, loyalty fee that Ryan Tuberty was due to get, that he then waived. Their contention is that they have inappropriately subtracted that from his earnings in 2017, 2018, and 2019. I did not invoice for that payment. I did not pursue that payment and I did not receive any payment. The documents provided to you bear this out. 
In my simple view, I had foregone that payment for €120,000, not taken it. But because of how RTE reported that decision in their accounts, the narrative of the last three weeks has been that not only did I take this payment, but that I somehow contrived to hide it. So let me reiterate, I actually waived my entitlement to this payment and I didn't receive one cent of it. I hid nothing. I had nothing to hide. And then they further say that his later earnings across 2020, 2021 and 2022 were originally correct. So that would be in the normal top 10 earners statement that RT puts out. But latterly, that they were either underestimated or overestimated in the 22nd of, of, of June statement. Now, exactly why and how they're making that argument, I think, is, is, is a little hard to discern. I suspect it has something to do with the accounting treatment of the payments that were made ultimately by RT in Renault, the €75,000 payments and when they were made versus when they were accounted for. Um, I suppose w- what matters here is less us, you know, uh, assessing who is right and who is wrong in an argument over, over being counting or accountancy and more the fact that, you know, this is yet more divergence between key parties on a point of fundamental importance to the story. In both committees, several deputies focused on the invoicing issues. And these, we know, are the 75 grand invoices. Did we learn anything new about that today? Well, yes, because Noel Kelly seemed to bring some clarity to a point which had been, uh, which hadn't been nailed down, which is exactly where this suggestion emanated from that the invoices be labelled as consultancy fees. Uh, whose uh, suggestion was it to uh, label them as uh, consultancy fees? RTE. RTE. Yeah. Who in RTE um, informed you to put them down as uh, consultancy fees? Geraldine O'Leary. Ger- Geraldine yeah. o- O'Leary. Now, the reason that matters is because Grant Thornton, their original investigation into this, that uh, was done before the controversy became public, found that, you know, this was not an accurate reflection of what the payments were for. And we now know that the payments were nothing to do with consultancy fees and everything to do with um, fees to be paid to Ryan Tuberty as part of the tripartite agreement. Now, the issue of who decided or indicated that they should be labelled as consultancy fees had been discussed before with RTE when they were in front of uh, both committees. And on Three occasions, Geraldine O'Leary, who's the former commercial director of RTE, took early retirement in just just over the weekend. Um, she said that she truthfully could not remember where the suggestion had emanated from, whether it was from RTE or whether it was from Noel Kelly. Now, Kelly today said that the instruction came from RTE or specifically from O'Leary herself that they should be put down uh, as, as consultancy arrangements. And this was in keeping with what I think was a really key and potentially controversial supporting strand to Kelly and Tuberty's argumentation, which is effectively that they did everything, more or less, on the instruction of RTE. We simply followed instructions we were given and we followed the instructions exactly. We didn't raise the question because it was under instruction from RTE. And this, by the end of the day, was was wearing very thin. In fact, it didn't take to the end of the day. It was only in in the middle of the day when uh, Catherine Murphy... Uh, the, the Social Democrats TD described this as the Nuremberg defence. And by the end of the day, Kieran Cannon, the Galway East TD for Fine Gael, uh, was snapping at this point and saying, you know, the, the, this, this excuse is, is that RT made me do it. It's just simply not good enough. They get instructions to pay to an anonymised, unknown company uh, 
for something that's then referred as consultancy fees and under a contract that has been negotiated with RTE for private work outside and then switches from Noel Kelly to CMS for the second and third year. None of this is credible. You know, Alan Kelly, the former Labour Party leader, said effectively, you know, that this is not credible. And that was a sentiment that was echoed across all parties, uh, government, non-government, independent. Um, there was this mounting sense of frustration, just that, you know, the, the explanations were not up to scratch. And, you know, it can only really be summed up by that by that description of Alan Kelly's, that they, that they weren't credible in his view. And, and the fact that that was shared by many of his uh, of his colleagues on the committees that was a source of the of the frustration amongst many of the committee members that led them to really lose patience by the end of the day now of course key to this whole thing is these this famous tripartite agreement this is this side deal whereby tuberty would perform gigs for reno reno sponsors the late late show but this was separate this was a separate deal did we learn anything more about tuberty's relationship with reno what we learned that was interesting um, was the contention by Kelly and, and Tuberty that they always thought that the invoices they were raising were ultimately being satisfied by Renault. And their claim that uh, they never knew that RT was, I suppose, fundamentally backstopping all three payments, either through an ad credit in the first year or through a direct payment made via a barter company in, this, in the second and third years. Um, there was another really interesting uh, element that emerged, which is that the the deal envisaged a total of nine events taking place. We know that only three events have taken place, so that raises two associated questions. One, you know, why were they being paid for work that hadn't yet been done? And two, what happens to that money that had has now been paid over? And we have the answer to the second one because Ryan Toberty said. If I don't end up doing those gigs for Renault, and I would struggle to see how that would ever happen because, you know, he's not currently the late, late host. They were kind of branded as late, late style events. Uh, he's not currently broadcasting. And I don't think there's any commercial relationship between Ryan Toberty and Renault. And I'm not sure that there would be an appetite for an endorsement from Ryan Toberty after all that has transpired. I'm not sure it would be, it would be possible. So what happens in that money? He says that he'll give it back, um, and it was it was kind of pulled out of him by by members that the acknowledgement that ultimately that would end that would end up with him having to repay RTE the hundred and fifty thousand for the three for the six events that haven't yet transpired because those were the two payments that were routed through uh, as this 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 barter company to Noel Kelly's company and then onwards to to uh, to Tuberty. Now, you mentioned earlier that the underwriting of the Renault deal is, you know, a key element of this whole saga. Did we learn anything more about that underwriting, about, you know, who knew what? That that was that was a key element of the previous committees. Did we learn anything more about that? Yeah, so the really key uh, part of the underwriting has been RTE's defence of themselves when it comes to the underwriting. That defence has proceeded basically uh, in two strands. One, that when the underwriting was sought by Tuberty's part, uh, by Tuberty's side, it was resisted by RTE. I think the phrase used by the broadcaster in some of its submissions uh, was that there was significant pushback. And we saw this uh, particularly alluded to by Brido O'Keefe, who's the former chief financial officer at RTE, 
when she said last week in her appearance that, you know, she resisted it and that there was resistance kind of across the organization up to and including D Forbes, the, the then director general. The other aspect of it has been that this, that, that D Forbes was the only person who had total visibility of uh, all aspects of this uh, arrangement and that effectively she used her executive authority in May of 2020 to put this through on on the knot to to form a verbal agreement with uh, with Noel Kelly on this infamous Zoom call that 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 transpired, which we can't get our hands on on the note of because Ortiz is claiming legal privilege. Now, the reason uh, this email that was sent in today matters um, is because it effectively kind of throws a bit of doubt or a bit of shade on both of those uh, key supporting struts to the the RT argument because it shows. That Breed O'Keefe, the then CFO, February of 2020, sent an email uh, to uh, to Noel Kelly, CCing D Forbes, but also CCing Jim Jennings, the head of content, uh, saying that we can provide you with the side letter to underwrite this fee for the duration of the contract. Now that's really important because I think that it shows, on the one hand, um, that you know that uh, that that hostility to this idea. That, that strong pushback was not as uniform as RT have been have been suggesting, but it also it, it also I think to an extent undermines a, a, a key part of Kelly and Tuberty's argument, which is that the uh, the the deal for his new five year contract, his late late show contract, was effectively a totally separate arrangement to the tripartite agreement that they proceeded in parallel, but were very distinct processes. Because here we have an email where the two are being discussed in tandem. Would you accept that it's difficult for us to reconcile the idea that this was I, I, an entirely I, separate arrangement when it formed part of the contract negotiation? Yeah, I understand where you're coming from entirely, but yeah, okay, I, so understand, I, I understand the, the room for, for perception issues, yes. That's something that committee members uh, zoomed in on as well, and I think that's something that, that, that may be important in the final reckoning too. Tuberty started at the very start of the the day saying that he wanted to get back to his radio show, to his listeners. And I, I you know, he made the point about how popular he is with, you know, the good people of Ireland. Um, but by the end of the day, he was talking about if I still have a job by Friday. I think that that probably does have to be resolved sooner rather than later. And I believe that Kevin Backhurst indicated in, in the Irish Independent today that he wanted to see that addressed within the next month because I don't think it, it's something that can that can kind of, um, you know, be an open question across all the rest of summer. Um, the question is that if, if he doesn't go back, what happens next? And I mean, this is this is just a piece of pure punditry for me. I'm not trading in any insider knowledge here, but like looking at the statement today and the language that Tuberty used about the level of damage and reputational damage that had been done to him, it just, it, it felt like a preamble in some ways to a statement of claim or some kind of high court action. Now, as I say, that is just my view, uh, but it's, it's how it felt reading it. Jack, it'll take a few days for the dust to settle uh, on all this. But with your political correspondent hat on, what has been the reaction so far to the performance of Tuberty and Kelly? Uh not overwhelmingly positive, to be honest. I mean, I, I know I know that um, Senator Lisa Chambers, Fianna Fáil Senator, has uh, a tweet up uh, which seemed to be in the round kind of supportive of RTE. But honestly, talking to people are in the round government and talking to people on, on the committees across the day, like there was there was a sense that, you know, nobody is coming out of this well. Um, there was a sense, as I said, and, and as people, many committee members said across the day that, you know, they didn't they didn't find a lot of what they were being told to be credible. 
um, you know the uh, the emergence of the the Brita O'Keefe email from February 2020 in tandem with an RTE statement which pushed back against this, I think introduces further complex complexity and contradictions to a story that already abounds with them. Um, and in all sincerity, I think that that government is still kind of slightly aghast at the at the the angle of the nosedive that Archie finds itself in and the inability that it has to, to pull itself out of. I mean, what looked like a kind of dawning of hope yesterday with Kevin Backer is coming in as the new broom and there being almost universal support for him seems to have been extinguished by, you know, yet more controversy emanating from this story. I think that the hope probably uh, from within the coalition anyway is that they have done enough to kind of set up the independent inquiries that were put in place last week and that maybe the committee system will pull back a little bit from the frequency and the intensity of its engagement uh, with RTE and, and, and related parties because we have more or less heard from nearly everyone that we are likely to hear from in the short term so that those committee hearings may slow down if not totally stop over summer and that there may be some kind of breathing space given to to the various inquiries that are going on behind the scenes. But I again, I, I kind of don't think that, that any breathing space, if it is forthcoming, will last that long. I mean, how long can it possibly, possibly be before we get the second Grant Thornton report, which is looking into the issue of 100, that 120,000 across 2017 to 2019? That is yet another avenue for for more controversy, and and that has been the case ever since this story broke three weeks ago. Every every which way you look, you know there is there there, there are more sublineages shooting off, and more opportunities for this to become a, a denser, darker, more complex, uh, and more fraught story. That's it for today. In the news, we'll be back soon.